Hey, welcome to Infuse Church Online and our new series, Actions Speak Louder. My name is Taylor, and if you consistently watch uh, Infuse Church Online, uh, whether it be audio or video, please consider emailing me, taylor at infuse.church, because we have some exciting things happening to our online attenders uh, in March, and we would love for you to be a part of that. Now for today, doesn't it bother you at least a little bit when someone says something but does something else? When someone's inconsistent between their talk and their walk? That's what we're going to talk about today, why it's important to have that consistency and how you can make sure that you don't fall victim to that as well. Uh, So today, uh, my hope, uh, my goal is to simply convince you that actions speak louder. That's it. To which I hope some of you are like, well, we know that, you know. It's something that intuitively uh, you learn through life that actions tend to, certainly do, I think, speak louder than words. Um, But what's kind of interesting is um, even though we know this, uh, we we don't um, live life always by this principle. Uh, For example, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever set a New Year's resolution that was at least somewhat difficult, okay, and then kept it the entire year. Anybody successfully done that? Three, four, perfect. That's what I expected. Okay, I don't know. Does that give you like what a 95% success rate or failure rate? Excuse me. That's about, that's about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that we know, even though we're going to talk it, that the chance that we'll actually walk it is uh, not always realistic. That a majority of us fail pretty consistently to follow through on our word. Um, Now, according to a 2015 Nielsen uh, survey, um, these, in order, were the top, I think I did five, of uh, New Year's resolutions, okay? Top five New Year's resolutions. Anybody want to take a stab at number one? Lose weight, yeah, get fit, and there it is. All right, staying fit and losing weight, staying fit and losing weight. Um, uh, then the next one, um, I really enjoy the next one. Uh, it is, number two is enjoying life to the fullest. What does that even mean? Like, I know, party, okay. <laughs> then one person knows what that means, okay. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I know when my gas tank is full, I know when a glass is full, I know when my tummy's full, but I do not know what life to the fullest actually means. Like, when is it the fullest? You know, maybe it's just 75%. Maybe you're missing out. How would you know? I just think it might be a a terrible goal to set for yourself. But that was number two, live life to the fullest. Uh, The next two are are pretty nice. Um, The next, number three is more time with family and friends. Okay, we probably all could maybe do a bit more of that. Number four is to get organized. Any of those people in the room, get organized. This year is your year. It's probably not going to happen, but yep, you should absolutely do it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you should stop or not do any of those resolutions, but what I am saying is that most of us will not follow through with it. In fact, we actually did worse than the average, according to the U.S. World Report, that 80% failed by mid-February. Okay? 80% of uh, uh, New Year's resolutions failed by mid-February, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I'm just saying that talk is, fill in the blank, talk is what? Cheap. Yeah, that talk is cheap. All I'm saying is that it's easy to say one thing, but to do, yeah, 
It's easy to do that. And it, what's even harder to do, and what we're going to hope to accomplish throughout this series, is that we will all be better at talking the talk and walking the walk, right? That's the hope, is that we'll actually line up our actions with our words. And we understand the value of this. I mean, most of us get the sense, uh, get, get why um, actions are so powerful. Um, for some of you, it's why you've stayed at the career, the job that you, you've been at for so many years, even despite a culture shift where we tend to move jobs quite regularly. Um, most of us will stay at, at a job if we feel appreciated, right? Or we'll leave if we don't. Like, if the company says one thing but our boss does another, then we get frustrated and, and we leave. Um, some of you have found this, hopefully, to be true in your relationships, in your dating life, and maybe in your marriage, or not true, that if they're not talking the talk and walking the walk, then you tend to uh, fall apart. Um, but if someone who cares about you and loves you and treats you as such and walks the walk, they just don't say that they're going to love you till death do you part. They're actually loving you. Um, it works better. If you're not familiar with the five love languages, that's a great expression of talking the talk and then walking the walk. If the both of you understand your love languages and can work together um, to make sure one another feel loved. Um, in fact, I think this is why some of you, most of you, hopefully part of you, is the reason why you come back to Infuse more than once is because um, we tend to, I tend to, uh, as best as I can at least, walk the walk that we talk um, because if I didn't, you would lose trust and there wouldn't be authenticity and, and undergirding a healthy relationship and so you just walk away and, and, and you should in a lot of ways if talk does not line up with walk. Now the problem, as I've said multiple times so far, is that we forget this, okay? Whether it be by choice or just it kind of slips our minds, we forget the value of this and the importance of these two things being tied together. And, and a guy um, named James, he also knew the importance of this. Um, he lived about 2,000 years ago, um, and he talked in his letter, which we call James, or the book of James, it was just a letter written by James, he talked a lot about these ideas of talking the talk while walking the walk. In fact, he's known for two things. One of the things is his teaching on that actions are important, and the actions speak volumes about what you really value. And the second thing he was, is well known for is he was the half-brother of Jesus, okay? Now, how would you like to have Jesus as your half-brother? Like, I feel like it'd be a daily occurrence where your mom looks at you and says, could you just be more like Jesus? And then you feel bad and you resent Jesus, okay? But J James is actually considered to be a fairly reliable source for a number of reasons, um, one of which, which is kind of understandable to most of us, James really isn't in the pages of history until after Jesus died and rose again. We didn't hear anything about James really through Jesus' ministry. I don't know where he was, exactly what he was doing, but he, he obviously wasn't a participant uh, or in any meaningful way in Jesus' ministry. But then it changed when Jesus died, and then he rose again. And then, along with Jesus' closest disciples, who just went crazy and then did all these amazing, crazy things because they looked at their Savior, they looked at Jesus as a risen Savior, and hey, you know, if some, some guy comes along and, and he predicts his own death and resurrection and then pulls it off, you just kind of do what that guy says. You're like, I'm with that guy. Okay, that was kind of, as, as we assume, that's what happened with James because then James steps onto the pages of history not only as a participant 
in, um, in, in what was, was becoming Christianity or following Jesus, what was called the way at the time, um, he became a leader. He was the leader, the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. So it was kind of a big deal. I mean, he took this faith thing to a whole new level. In fact, not only that, but he eventually, as tradition holds, that he gave his life. He was martyred because of his faith in his half-brother, Jesus, and the claims that Jesus said he was the Son of God and died to take the, uh, pay the sin of the world, okay? And so James is, is pretty a profound source, if you think about it, that he's going to write about his half-brother and say, no, he really was the Son of God, okay? So, um, the, so, so James is going to write on this idea of, um, back to the topic, if you will, uh, of how um, people tend to be inconsistent with their, their words and their deeds, especially, especially Christians. And so he wrote to essentially address this, okay? And here's one of the, the phrases he uses in uh, James chapter 1, so the first part of his letter, those who consider themselves religious, and this could be true for anybody, okay? And this is, and he gives an example. He says, yet do not keep a rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion, their values, what they put their faith, their trust in, is worthless. That's pretty profound if you think about it. He's not even saying it like it, it like undermines at 50%. He's not saying it undermines at 75%, so at least there's just a little bit that's still value. He says, no, when you are inconsistent like that between your words and your actions, it makes your religion worth less zero, no worth whatsoever. And then he also points out the reason why we do this, because we deceive ourselves, because people deceive themselves. I think we are just easily deceived. Even today, 2,000 years later, we just run this constant problem of being deceived. Again, by choice, sometimes we like choose to be deceived and we choose to ignore the reality, or sometimes we just kind of find ourselves in this situation. Now, this isn't, again, a religious thing, so if you're not a religious person or you're back in church for the first time because it's a new year, starting off a, a New Year's resolution of coming to church, this is just a life thing. And, and, and you and I have experienced this deception, whether it's happened to us or we've watched it happen to other people, okay? One, obviously, in New Year's resolutions, we tend to deceive ourselves into thinking that even though we've never accomplished a New Year's resolution, we will this year. Some of us do that. Or maybe, most definitely, I'm hoping, you've probably seen, you know, someone who's been dating someone else, okay, and that someone else was like the, the, the power person in the relationship, okay, and maybe they were a talker, and they were good-looking, and they were smooth, or they had money, and all that kind of stuff, and then they talked a good talk, but you knew behind the scenes that they pushed, that they were mean, that they guilted and shamed behind the scenes. And though they looked good and talked good on the outside, what they walked behind the scenes was completely different. And people, and you've maybe uh, uh, been on the receiving end of this, or you know someone who has, and we will deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, you know what, well, probably tomorrow will be better, or a month from now will be better, even though it won't be better even though it hasn't shown itself to be better, even though the pattern suggests that it will do only one thing, and that is to continue. We'll deceive ourselves. Um, you do this uh, when somebody comes to you. Maybe you've had somebody come to you and, and give you a business opportunity where you're going to, like, make a lot of money, 
and it's going to change your world, okay? If you just give us your money first, then we'll give you a lot more money, one of those, okay? And, and it is so tempting to take them up on the offer, even though there is no evidence to prove that this will actually happen. All you see is dollar signs, and so you go for it, or you took that promotion, that job opportunity, simply because of the dollar signs, not because there was any reason to believe you'd do well at it, or that your company or the business or whatever would follow through on their work on their words, excuse me. Uh, or you just know in day-to-day relationships, people say they'll get it done and they won't. People say they'll support you and then they won't show up. They're committed to you, but they fall through. And then we say, oh, you know, they'll do it next time. We give them the benefit of the doubt and all that kind of stuff. But you just know in your hearts of hearts, it's words only. And we fail to be honest with ourselves. We fail to, to be honest um, when it comes to other people. And we just, we just deceive ourselves. And, and I realize for some of you, it's like, yeah, but Taylor, especially as Christians, we're supposed to give people grace, and I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And, and I appreciate that, and that's a, that's a great value to have. But there is a line where you cross over between giving grace and being deceived. And you need to be here next week because that's what we're going to talk about, okay? Um, next week, okay? But for this week, here's what I want to hone in on, okay? Here, here's what I want us to lean into. Here's what I want us to accept. That we have to lock that we have to lock the walk to the talk. We have to lock the walk to the talk, okay? And I've been listening, re- listening, reading a lot of Dr. Seuss late, lately at night, um, not, not for my own enjoyment, not for my own enjoyment, but for, for my two-year-old daughter. Um, so another way to say this is to talk the talk and to walk the walk, you have to lock the walk to the talk, okay? We'll do that one more time. To, <laughs> To talk the talk and to walk the walk, you have to lock the walk with the talk. Got it? Okay, go tell your friends that this week. Okay. To visually make this accessible for our visual learners, okay, this is what it feels like when you do not lock the walk to the talk, okay? Because what happens is when, when it's not locked and it's kind of loose, you don't feel secure or that friendship isn't secure, or you don't consider that person reliable and dependable, okay? But when you lock the walk to the talk, you feel, you, when you can trust someone, it feels more secure, it feels safer, and you're willing to depend on that more. And that is the value, visually represented, of thinking in terms of locking the walk to the talk. Now, it's easy to read, it's hard to do. Easy to read, hard to do. And, and you kind of, by, by our own experience, we know this. I mean, just, just think to yourselves, especially if you're like in a leadership role or in some form of an authority role. I mean, how many conversations do you have in a year with someone who has an issue with locking their walk to their talk? Like, honest conversation, sit down over coffee, like, listen here, I, I don't want to hurt you. I just want to talk to you about the fact that your walk is different than your talk. Like, you committed to me to doing this, but you're not walking it. Like, you said you do it this way, but you're doing it a different way. I mean, how many times are we willing to sit down and have that kind of conversation? Very few. Very few times. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to not just sit there and deceive ourselves into thinking that, oh, next time will be different, instead of sitting down and saying, there's no reason to think that this is going to get any better. Okay. So now, 
for the rest of the message, I want to talk to the Christians. I want to talk to the Jesus followers. So if you're not a Christian, this is where you get to tune out. This is where you get to look at your Christian friends and be like, wow, you, you have a high bar to reach, because that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the time. But I want to talk about the Christians in, in part because we have a terrible, ter- terrible stereotype of being exceptionally inconsistent, borderline hypocritical, if not fully hypocritical, when it comes to being religious and actually walking the religious talk. That we're going to talk religion, we're going to talk faith, we're going to talk Jesus, but when it comes to walking it, we don't actually walk it. And the other reason we're going to talk about it is because James talks about it. A lot of his letter has to do with walking and talking and keeping those locked together. Because we can be sometimes the most inconsistent when it comes to that, okay? So here's how James in chapter 2 starts the section about making sure our words and our actions line up. Those who consider themselves religious and you, oh, oh yeah, religious. Oh, sorry. My point here was that he's talking to religious people. Okay, go into the next thing. Okay, so how do we keep our talking and our walking the same when it comes to when it comes to matters of faith. And, and also, I just want to say, I think this really matters more than ever um, because there is a future, okay? And that future is growing up right now. The future is between, you know, like three years old and 18 years old right now. They're the ones who are absorbing, actually two-year-olds, because my daughter last, I think it was last night, no, two nights ago, yeah, we were sitting down, or no, it was yesterday at lunch, sorry, yesterday at lunch, I'm going to get this right, yesterday at lunch, and we pray, you know, before, um, before meals, and at nighttime, and throughout the day, that kind of thing, and, and so, um, and I always begin the prayer the same way, because she's two, and it begins the prayer with, with gratitude, because I want to begin with gratitude, and so um, we, we start off, and we thank God for not just the food, but we thank God for the relationships in our lives, and we thank God for God, so thank you, God, for you, and all you've done for us. Thank you for, for Mama. Thank you for Dada. Thank you for Nika Ori, our dogs, and Evie, you know, her, do- or her, her sister. Um, so anyways, and, and so this time, last, last yesterday at lunch, she just started in. I said, okay, so now it's time to pray. And she just started, and she, she folds her hands, and she says, Mama. And I looked at her, and I said, yeah, Mama. And who else? And Dada and Evie and I said, yep, and who else? And Owe, and I said, what about Nika? Owe, you know, <laughs> only the one dog, because I don't know if she doesn't care for the other dog or she just can't say it, but they're learning, and this matters, because what happens, and maybe this is true for your story as well, you grew up in a religious household, but the problem was there was a difference in your parents between them talking faith on Sundays, especially between the hours of, of like, you know, 9 and 11 o'clock when service was happening, and then they'd go home and they'd walk a completely different faith, and you'd sit there and you're like, yeah, but that's hypocritical, that's inconsistent, and so all we do as parents, if we're not authentically walking and talking this, is we're just teaching our kids, one, that we're inauthentic, and two, that this is how Christians behave, that we are the most inconsistent people. And this matters for the next generation. I hope it matters for you as well, that we have to do a better job of tying these two things together. And the other thing I want to address, just because I just don't want it to quite be an excuse, is um, at Infuse, like I said at at the announcements, is we try to be a church where imperfect people can explore faith and find community. And I think we're tempted sometimes, especially as Christians, to think, well, I'm just an imperfect person. So, of course, I'm not always going to talk faith and walk faith at the same level. I'm a sinner, after all. And that is true. But it is not an excuse, and it is not, as permi- it is not permission. It's truth, 
and its grace and its reality, but it is not an excuse. See, we're called as Christians to be more. We're called to a higher level to follow the Son of God, perfect in integrity and love and equality for all people, okay? The bar for us is much higher, and so we have to walk this better. And James knew this. In fact, this was a problem in the church right when it began, right off the top. That's why James is addressing it in his letter. Because honestly, who would want to be a part of something so inconsistent? People don't tend to like to be a part of things that say one thing and do another. They want consistency. And James recognizes it. And so in James chapter 2, when James starts this, he starts this on that very same question. He said, what good, what value is it, my brothers and my sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? In other words, hey, someone says they believe in God, but they do nothing about it. You can't see it in their lives. Now, he's not saying he doesn't believe that you believe, okay? He's not doubting that you believe that there is a God. He's not doubting that you claim Christianity. He's just asking you, and he's asking me the question of, well, if you claim Christianity, if you claim faith, then do you live it out regularly? Like, do you regularly pray? Do you regularly give uh, generously? Do you regularly participate in church? Do you regularly serve? Do you regularly get yourself in a small group of people that hold each other accountable and grow in faith together? Do you regularly exercise patience and kindness and love and forgiveness and mercy? And if your answer is, well, maybe not more than anybody else does, James questions to you, question to you and to me is, what good is it then? What good is it then? Then he follows it up with another question. Can that faith save them? Again, he's not questioning if you have a belief in God. What he's questioning is, if that is all you have, is it really worth anything? Is it actually the kind of faith that saves people, that changes people, that transforms people? Because don't you agree that there should be some degree of verification? I mean, if you have to verify your employment at your job, what do you have to do to show that you're employed? What do you normally send in? You send in a pay stub, okay? Yeah, you send in pay, at least you send in pay stubs, right? Oh, oh, well, we'll never know. Okay, and if you have to verify your identity before you get on an airplane, what do you show? Okay, there seemed to be some disagreement. I don't know. Yeah, passport or ID. Maybe that was one of it. Yeah, and if you are going to log into social media, you have to put what in to verify that it's actually you? Password. Yeah, you have these forms of verification to prove it, and you can show it through your what? Through an action, through a physical thing. James is trying to argue it is the same, and why shouldn't it be the same when it comes to matters of faith? That there is some verification. James says, consider this. Consider this as a a possible scenario. He says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about it, their physical needs, what good is it? To which we respond to James and say, it isn't good, James. Those, those words have no meaning. In fact, actually, I would argue that those words are like insulting. They actually have a negative effect. It's almost harmful. It's disrespectful. 
to say something and then not walk it out. To walk by someone who is in great need and, and wish peace for them. Wish that they would keep warm and wish that they would be well fed. But not actually do it. In fact, maybe that's how we should go about it. Like if we're not willing to actually walk it, then we should just go wishing things for people. Hey, I wish that you get a good meal. Just, you know, instead of actually giving food to a homeless person, just yell that out the window. Hey, I wish you'd have a great meal. And if you'd say, well, I probably wouldn't do that. Good, you shouldn't. But also recognizing the disconnect between the words and the act. And recognizing that those two things have incredible power to either be a disconnect and hurt or to connect and bring security. James continues, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith, if it is not accompanied by some sort of an action, what good is it? Like, what good is a car if you buy it if it's completely and utterly totaled? You probably wouldn't buy it because the only thing it's good for is junk. Scrap it. What good? Why would you buy a coffee pot that doesn't make coffee? Well, you probably wouldn't. So why would you believe in something that you don't practice? Because everybody else does? Why would you believe in something that has brought no growth and life and change to you and to others. Because then your family and your friends and your coworkers and my friends and my coworkers and my neighbors and my kids, they're just going to look at me and say, well, why would I want that? Why would I want that Christianity? Because it seems to nothing, make no difference in their life. I don't notice any greater light or uh, happiness or peace in their life, so why would I want it to be a part of mine. And it's hard, hard to blame them for that logic. And then James doesn't stop there. He kind of starts to like really poke at this insecurity in our lives. And he does it through like, I mean, in modern day, I'd call it like a cheerleading chant, but it's probably more like a snarky, like you kind of got to read it nasally. So we'll try both ways and we'll just see how this goes. Here's what he says. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Do you have faith? I have deeds. Yes, we do. How about you? You know? Okay. <clears throat> show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith with my deeds. In other, way, in other words, you're trying to make it either or. You're trying to make it one or the other. Well, you know, Pastor Taylor, I don't have a significant amount of faith, but I do so many good deeds. Like, just so many good deeds. Or, I don't do the whole deeds thing, but I have faith all the time, pray all the time. I'm not really into the whole living that out. Um, but, but I have great faith. James is like, no, 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 no. They need to be together. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Because otherwise, there is no ver verification that either of them is true. When you do it together, not only does it bring security to, the, to your life and to the lives of those around you, but it also verifies that that is indeed what you believe. People can look at you and say, indeed, I believe it is true because of what, not only of what they say, but of what I see. And then, and I really like this verse, okay, because it's like one of those verses that yeah, you can try to get around, but it is really difficult to get around this one, and it really drives this, this point home, and 
And I just apologize in advance for those of you who are mildly offended by this, who this really makes uncomfortable, but, but I just think it really drives the point home. He asks this question, or he, he makes a statement. You believe that there is one God, yes? You believe? Okay, you believe? Good. Just so you know, even demons believe. Demons believe that there is a God, and they shudder. Let that sink in for a second, okay? What is the difference between someone who believes and a demon who believes? Well, the demon's like mean and all that kind of, th- you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but what are you doing about it? How do we see it in your life? Well, I don't do those things. Okay, well, that's a great bar. Well, I'm not like a demon. Okay, but I mean, you're just, you're not making a great case for yourself through your actions. In, in Greek, the, the original translation, in other words, the, the, this idea of demons or, uh, or um, the devil, as we would call it, is, is in Greek, it's like the adversary or the tempter or the deceiver. They're all action words to signify something negative. All action words. He says, even they, deceivers, even tempters, even adversaries, believe in God. James is asking, what type of belief do you have? Talk only? Belief only? Because their belief, adversary, deceiver, liars, cheaters, their belief has not made a change in their life. Their belief has not made a transformation transformation in their lives, but it can for you. Is, Is your walk locked with your talk? Because deceivers are not. But it can be for you. And if you're, if you're one of the, the if, and if you're new to Christianity, or you're just kind of checking it out or exploring it, okay, one of your fi- first steps, maybe, is to move beyond just simple belief. Maybe you've believed for a long time. A lot of us go through decades of our lives just simply believing and not trusting just believing. I've said this before. I believe there is a government. I'm just not sure I fully trust it, okay? I believe there are leaders. I'm just not always sure I trust those leaders. I believe that I have given the correct order at the drive-thru and that they heard me, but I'm not always sure I trust the fact that I'll actually get what I ordered. Make sense? There is a difference between actions and talk. And if you've been doing the Jesus thing for a long time, one of the things that we can do is we can become complacent. And I think sometimes the root of complacency is the fact that we just convinced ourselves, we've deceived ourselves into thinking, well, I've talked it, and I've walked it for long enough, so I'm just fine sitting one or the other camp. Or I'm doing the same things, and I've done the same things for forever. And nothing's changed. And I really believe it is impossible to finish exploring God. That there is always something more to learn. And that if we profess to be someone of faith, that we are always working in in action of growing that faith, growing that trust, and growing. So, here's the question that I want to work through. If your walk could talk, what is it saying? If your walk could talk, what is it saying? 
when you're alone, when your plans are interrupted, when there is a challenge happening in your life, when you're disappointed by something, when you're lonely, when you're afraid, do your actions say what you value? What does it say? I'm not saying this to guilt trip you. I'm not saying this so you feel ashamed of of what you believe or how much faith or how little faith you feel like you have, okay? That is not my hope. I just know from like personal experience, okay? Personal experience. That if there is a disconnect between walk and talk, it hurts others and it hurts me. I know from personal experience when there is a disconnect, it hurts me and it hurts others. And I miss out on opportunities. I miss out on opportunities to treat other people with respect and compassion. From a Christian perspective, I miss out on the opportunity to love my neighbor and to love God better when my walk and my talk don't line up. I miss out on opportunities to build trust and relationship with others. They're just out the window. I'm not saying this to make you feel terrible. I'm saying this to say there is an opportunity here don't miss out. You don't want to, and I don't want that for you, nor does God. And maybe you're going through a challenging season of life, or you have been in a challenging season, or you're in a rut, or something like that, and you're just not sure what to do. I'd really encourage you to go home, or or maybe in your life today, and there's a, you feel like maybe there's a disconnect. Go home. Get out a piece of paper, and on one half of the paper at the top, write talk, and at the other half of the paper, write walk. And then put in, talk, in the talking category what you talk or tell people that you value, what you tell your kids you value, what you say your, your goals are. And then in the walk category, put how you're actually accomplishing them. And do not deceive yourself. Maybe you need to write that in the, in the gap between the two columns. Do not deceive yourself in that process. But I think you will hone in pretty quickly on what you need to do better what you could change, and what you could invite God into your life and to help you to be better at. And to move through even those challenging situations of life to say, you know, it is difficult to move through a challenging situation when this is unlocked. It is a lot easier when it's locked to go through that challenging situation. So just sit there and know, this is my talk, and I am going to walk it. This is my talk, and I am going to walk it. Now, if you're a person of faith, I would modify this question just a little bit. When it comes to your faith, if your walk could talk, what is it saying? And I get it, life's busy, and your boss is unreasonable, and your friends are mean, uh, and those are all great excuses to stay disconnected and to say one thing and do another, okay? You know, to wish them good luck on one hand, but gossip about them on the other, or just avoid them altogether, avoid opportunities, avoid possibilities in your life. I get it. There's a lot of good reasons not to, okay? And if that's how you want to walk and talk, you can. But remember, you're missing out on opportunities. You're teaching your kids because they are learning always, And you're telling your friends, in some situations, you're telling your friends, hey, God loves you, okay? God loves you because he died for you, and he gave his only son for you, but I don't. You can tell them that, but then when you walk it, 
or maybe other people, because our, our Christian behavior has impacts not just in our, you know, our little world, but in the broader world around. People will look at other Christians' behavior and then look at you and associate the two of you together. And the only thing you're going to be able to do to break away from that negative stereotype is to always be sure you are a secure, dependable, my walk and my talk are locked. Because that inconsistency will hurt. Pay attention when you feel like there's an inconsistency. Pay attention when there is a tension in your relationship or a tension in your faith or a tension um, in your, your life in general. Just pay attention because there could be an inconsistency and it will tarnish Christianity. It will tarnish you. It will tarnish infuse. Like, I can only preach so much and so well. There is an extent at which there is diminishing returns. Even if I walk the walk and talk the talk, which I don't perfectly at all, if you go out, you will have more impact on the world than I ever can because there's so many more of you. And if you impact it for the better, it will make God look better. It will point people towards God and life change. But if you do the contrary, it will drive people away. It will drive people away. Now, to get just like really practical and to wrap up today, um, one of the, the things that somebody came up with, um, we, we have some um, goals for, for everyone here at Infuse, um, and, and uh, they're very simple. Um, they're to serve, invite, give, and be in a group, or to do something, as I would say, significant. And I know it's spelled wrong, but you're just going to have to roll with me. Significant to serve, invite, give in a group. And this is just an employee. This isn't just, well, that's what the church is, and here's, here's the catch. This is just what we've learned. And churches that are much bigger, I'm talking 20,000 plus people on a Sunday, this is what they have learned as well, is that people who are serving, inviting, giving in in a group are consistently, consistently experiencing life change. They're ex- consistently growing, they're sharing stories, they're helping others, they're bettering their community, and they themselves are experiencing life. If you want to experience life to the fullest, this is the closest you're going to get, is following Jesus and starting in four simple ways, serving, inviting, giving in a group. People are experiencing that. We'll talk about it next week if you want to stick around for First Step Lunch. But I just, but I want you to think about these as practical next steps for you. And then think about them on the implications for those people around you, especially your kids. What are your kids watching you do? Are they seeing consistency or inconsistency? I'm not saying you got to force faith on them or force them into certain behaviors, but I am saying maybe model it. The the key to any, you know, really healthy parent-child relationship is authenticity, that even in your doubts you can be authentic, And if your walk with Jesus is just starting, then just be authentic with your family about that. I'm authentically growing. I'm authentically trying to better my life in following Jesus. Some other practical ways um, is there's this faith growth guide. It's completely free. The only problem is there's only two of them. Uh, this is one of them, and one is on the back table, but it's completely free, Um, and I'll have more for next week, um, but I just wanted to mention it because it was in the message, and Oh, well, here we are. Um, And so there are just simple things that you can do if you're a starting steps, because everything is just a step. Can I make it that simple? To lock the walk and the talk, it's just one step at a time. 
to lock the walk and the talk. It's just one step at a time. I'm not asking you to make a huge leap somewhere. I'm just asking you to take steps. Because otherwise, we overcomplicate it and we think, oh, it's just going to be too hard. No, no, no. Just a step. Here's starting steps. Here's a bunch of books you can read. If you're not a reader, if you're a listener, do Audible. Here's uh, videos that you can watch on YouTube for completely free. Maybe you're, uh, you know, more of, uh, you've been doing faith for a little bit, you're ready to start growing. Here's some actions. Here's some readings. Here's some watchings. Again, simple steps that you can take to grow. There's story Bibles in the back for $6. Maybe the Bible is just intimidating. That's understandable. Just read the story Bible to get you the broad story of what God's done over the last 4,000 years in time, okay? Or 6,000 years, depending on how you want to look at it. But, but it's about a 3,000-year chronology, 2,000 years. Anywho, um, read through that story Bible and take that step. And just imagine, like if you're still not convinced— Just imagine the difference it would make if we hold each other accountable to this. Imagine if you went to work tomorrow and everybody at work stood up and as you came in, they said, you know what? I I wasn't at church yesterday. I didn't hear your pastor's message or anything. I'm just standing up randomly to tell you that I am going to make sure every single day I am talking and walking the same thing. Some of you would like look at that coworker and like, what happened to you? Okay. I've been trying to get you to do that for years, and you're finally going to do it. Okay. It'd make a difference, wouldn't it? So why don't we just start with us and making sure our walk and our talk line up? Because it makes a difference. And the next year, or next year, next week, it is a new year, next week you should be here because we're going to be talking about lies and covering up and deceit and how that we deal with that and how do we recognize hypocrites and, and how do we, in a healthy way, go about engaging with those people that have an issue with walking and talking in two different things, okay? That's what we're going to do next week, so be sure to be here next week. If you would, bow your heads, pray for you, sing a song, get you out of here. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for James, the brother of Jesus, who uh, put his faith in his Savior, and who tells us these truths, and, and not to hurt us, not to shame us, but to help us, to give us a path forward through challenges, to give us a path forward in our faith, to give us a path forward in our life, to help us to resolve very practical, relevant issues in our life today, and to try to walk a life that is closer, to live a life that is closer to your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for James's word. Thank you for preserving it for thousands of years so that we could read it today and become better followers of you. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for week one of our series, Actions Speak Louder Than Words. My hope for you is this week you will work hard and be intentional in recognizing where there's tension in your relationships um, or in your work environments or in your marriage and consider if maybe that is because that tension is because there is an inconsistency between your talk and walk or someone else's talk and walk. And maybe that is a point for discussion to get the conversation started and to figure out why that inconsistency or perceived inconsistency is there. And then make sure you're back here next week for week two.